This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is a WTOP original podcast. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. Leaked Pentagon documents. One of the key parts of this investigation is figuring out who leaked the documents, and the trails of that person could be big or small. We won't truly know whether we're talking about documents that uh, were available to 200 people or documents that were available to 100,000 people. Sean Turner, former head of communications for the Director of National Intelligence. The next step, figuring out why. It's a matter of discipline. Former CIA case officer Robert Bayer. I mean, who, who gets on the internet and gets in an argument with somebody and make a point has brought all these documents home. It's insane. Coming up on this episode of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. Capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. We're supposed to be talking about a Chinese spy balloon that crossed the United States today, and if it was a mistake to let it happen. Well, because of breaking intelligence and national security news, we've got to shift gears. There was a leak at the Pentagon. It didn't happen last week, but we just found out about it. Apparently, it's been going on for months. We've got two interviews. First, Sean Turner, former head of communications for the director of national intelligence, and Robert Bayer, a former CIA case officer. We start with Sean Turner. Sean, leaked documents. We don't know where these documents were leaked from, but we know where they, I think, at least some of them originated. Uh, You've worked in the intelligence community. You've worked at the Pentagon. In fact, that's where we met. You know, you're a retired Marine. So there's a lot there that you know perhaps something about in terms of how classified documents are handled. Can you give me just your initial thoughts about this, the fact that this actually exists, this problem that we have right now? Yeah, well, well, thanks for having me, JJ. You know, as you said, uh, I've uh, been down this road before during my time at the Office of the Director of National Intelligence dealing with the uh, Edward Snowden leaks. Uh, So as I look at this particular uh, set of circumstances, as I look at this particular set of circumstances, JJ, what I see is uh, another instance in which uh, the overclassification of documents and the degree to which we have large numbers of people who have access to classified documents has once again created a situation in which uh, our ability to track where documents are and who has access to documents and how documents are being moved around 
has once again led to a situation in which someone has not only been able to leak classified documents, but to do it in a way that caused the Pentagon to not recognize for quite some time that the document that these documents have been leaked. So what I see here is uh, another example of why we need to uh, take a hard look at the classification process. And we really do. And, you know, we hear people all the time talk about overclassification and the number of people who have access to documents. We really do need to uh, tighten up the ship with regard to who has access to classified information and ask ourselves, is there really a need to know? If we can really hone in on that universe of people who have, who has, who have access to classified documents and really sort of narrow down that scope, then I think that these types of leaks, these types of breaches will be dramatically reduced. One of the things that uh, I've heard since the story broke is that there may be hundreds of people, perhaps even thousands of people that had access to these documents. Is that something that sounds like it might be accurate to you? It does, JJ. In fact, uh, when we look at particularly at the Pentagon and access to classified documents at the Pentagon, we have to think about it in two categories. There are classified systems that uh, literally hundreds of thousands of people in the intelligence community and across uh, the military and government have access to. Now, when we look at these individual documents, the universe of people who would have access to any particular set of documents is going to be smaller. But until we take a hard look at these documents and figure out where they came from and where they live in the system, we won't truly know whether we're talking about documents that uh, were available to 200 people or documents that were available to 100,000 people. It really does come down to what is the nature of the document, what system was the document on, and where did the document live in that system. But at the end of the end of the day, JJ, uh, that doesn't matter so much at this point because these documents are online. They're there for everyone to see. And so whether it was 10 people or uh, 100,000 people, now everyone can see these documents. And that is a problem for our national security apparatus. Sean, just to check, did you say hundreds of thousands of people? Certainly, potentially. When we were looking at documents, there are a couple of different systems that exist at the Pentagon, uh, and they exist at different levels. There are systems where we have secret-only information, and then there are systems where we have information that's all the way up to the highest levels of classification. And we look at the systems like what we call SIPRNET, where we have uh, do, you know, secret documents. Uh, it's, there certainly is a, it certainly is the case that if you can log in to a SIPRNET, if you have a SIPRNET account, there's a wide range of classified information that you will have access to simply by virtue of the fact that you have a SIPRNET account. Now, certainly with regard to uh, certain types of information, uh, that the, the, there's a need to know and people are assigned um, various authorizations. But it still is the case that simply having an account gives you access and there are hundreds of thousands of people who have access to SIPRNET. That's pretty astounding. I mean, I knew that there were hundreds and even thousands, but hundreds of thousands was something I just simply had not considered. I just didn't realize that that was even possible. It is clearly um, a fact now that you've uh, laid this out and done this in a way in which we can understand it. But now help us to understand how this, how these documents, I'm not sure if you've seen what they look like, but um, they looked as if they were folded or put in, crumpled or somehow slipped out of a facility, perhaps maybe, to then have photographs taken of them 
And I'm not trying to get you to say that's what happened. What I'm trying to do is to get at how the Pentagon or how the intelligence community, the FBI, thinks leading this investigation, the Pentagon as well, looking into it. How do you figure out where these documents came from? You know, figuring out where these documents came from is is going to be the uh, biggest challenge that the that the Department of Justice and the Pentagon will face. Uh, when you look at the disparate nature of these documents, uh, what's not easy to discern is whether or not all of these documents existed in one place. These documents, as far as I, I can tell, appear to be documents that have come from various places or would have lived in various different places inside one of our classified systems. That makes it extremely difficult. You noted that when we look at these documents, they look like they've been handled in ways that suggest that they may have been removed over time. In some cases, based on what I've seen, some of these documents look as though, as though they have been manipulated. And so when you have uh, documents that are in various states of, uh, uh, of uh, you know, just in terms of how they look and, and documents that appear to have not come from one single place, what you have is um, a situation in which, in which that, that line of breadcrumbs is broken. Uh, now it is the case that that the very the most important thing to do is to look at the potential universe of people that would have had access to the documents that appear to have some shared uh, commonality, some shared space. But for the most part, uh, what they'll have to do is they'll have to identify a few really key documents that have a limited number where a limited number of people had access. And they'll have to start there and they'll have to build out from that. But if you can find a document where 200 people had access, start there and build out, you at least get a sense of, of, uh, uh, of a good starting point for understanding what happened here. That could take some time to do that. Um, can you talk a little bit about the impact on the U.S.'s reputation? You know, JJ, when I think about classified documents, I often tell people that there are um, two cases in which the leaking of classified documents are particularly egregious and have uh, threats to our national security. Uh, the, the first instance is when those documents reveal highly classified programs uh, that allow us to collect intelligence against our adversaries. Uh, in those cases, we're talking about sources and methods being compromised, and that's particularly, particularly dangerous because we see sources of intelligence dry up. The other instance in which leaks of classified documents uh, are particularly harmful uh, is when they jeopardize our relationships with our partners and allies. Uh, as you know, those relationships uh, involve intelligence sharing and in many cases in places where we do not and where we as the United States do not have robust collection intelligence capability. It's our partners and allies that provide us decision advantage. They provide the information that allows us to make good national security decisions. So when we leak, when information is leaked that jeopardizes those relationships, it makes it very difficult for our partners and allies to continue to share that information with us, which means that in some instances, we may go blind or have less valuable information that allows uh, our leaders to make uh, decisions to protect all Americans. Sean, thank you. Is there anything you wanna add that I haven't asked you about that you think is important? Uh, you know what, JJ, I would just say that uh, as the Department of Justice in the Pentagon looks at how this happened, it's important that they also look at the motivation for leaking classified documents. During my time in the intelligence community, we found that it, that the motivation for leaking oftentimes fell into one of two categories. 
Uh, sometimes you had people who believed that there was something inherently unethical or problematic about what the intelligence community was doing, and they leak classified documents because of that personal belief. It's important to know that there are other ways to have concerns addressed if they if if it's believed that there's something untoward with regard to our intelligence collection efforts. Uh, and the other way is people sometimes get disgruntled. They get frustrated with their jobs and they uh, do this as a sort of vengeance. But I would say in any in either case, people who are given a security clearance are sworn to protect and defend the Constitution and to protect that information. And we need to make sure that we hold them accountable to do that, because when we don't, uh, everyone is put at risk. Sean Turner former head of communications for the director of national security. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. The second of our two interviews is with Robert Bayer. He is a former CIA case officer with deep knowledge about all things that have to do with intelligence. Robert, uh, this Pentagon intelligence leak, document leak, some are saying this is perhaps the worst in decades. What's your view on that? Well, it's not as bad as the Snowden leak, but the point is you're, they're leaking very, very sensitive, top secret information, which is basically intercepts. During the Cold War, this was just unthinkable uh, that this would ever make it out into the press. It did, of course, but never this explicit, never the documents. Um, and I think this is going to be in terms of damaging what it's going to do to the war in Ukraine, it's going to be much more damaging. Um, places like South Korea would be very reluctant to provide weapons if it's going to be exposed. Yeah. So um, you don't think this is disinformation, do you? No, I think if the Russians had had gotten this thanks to a spy in the Pentagon that they would have done a much better job of manipulating the documents. It's very easy to do with AI and put it out. So it looked real, but it would have done much more damage. I think what happened is that somebody on the Russian side got copies of it and attempted to amateur, you know, to, to inexpertly uh, mess with the documents. But in general, it doesn't look like a great disinformation campaign. The, Ru the Russians are much better at this. So um, you do believe then these documents, at least in part, are legitimate? Oh, I think they're they're authentic. The Pentagon has said as much um, the way this has been reported. They look authentic. Um, I'm pretty sure they are. All right. So that being the case, then what's to blame for this leak or who or <laughs> what person or what you know group or organization who who could do who would do something like this? Well, for me, it's it's generational. Um, when I was in the CIA, we wouldn't have ever considered ever for a moment taking home top secret documents that related to intercepts. It just didn't happen. Um, so somebody, as the reporting is gone, 
uh, was in some dispute on uh, on a gaming app and uh, leaked this stuff to make a point. And I think the problem is it's a matter of discipline. You've got a generation that didn't grow up in the Cold War, that didn't look at, at Russia as an existential threat and, you know, saying, so what? Everything should be open. There should be no secrets. Uh, let's get this all out. We're all better for it. It's that kind of attitude, um, which is probably behind this leak. And don't forget this first reports. We're going to, I would imagine there's going to be an arrest, but, um, until then, this is just speculation, and it just looks like it's a matter of discipline. I mean, who who gets on the internet and gets in an argument with somebody and make a point has brought all these documents home. It's insane, you know. For me, um, and and, and I don't think people really understand how damaging this is. A lot of people in Washington just there's a long, long history of their getting on the phone, talking about top secret information. You had Hillary Clinton's uh, aides summarizing TS information, top secret information in emails, got her into so much pro and so many problems. And you got Trump that just flat out took the documents home. He didn't care. Um, and that's a political class in Washington who's tend to dismiss the nece necessity of secrecy. Yeah. So back to the gaming dispute, what's your understanding of at least what was going on uh, here? You, you, so I think I heard you say this was a person that was on a gaming app that got into a dispute with someone and somehow these documents were brought out to in the dispute. Well, I mean, it's this is speculation. Have the guy probably said, "Look, I know what I'm talking about. I've seen all this stuff." And somebody on the on the gaming gaps says, "Oh yeah, we've heard that before. You know, you know, you have the inside track on this of oh, BS." So he says, "Oh, you want to see? This is what the reporting looks like to me." Um, and, you know, and Chan Four and the rest of it just picked up. It's it's amazing what you can pick up on the dark web. The amount of secrets, arms for sales, you know, what's happening in Moscow, Russia, and the rest of it. We know about what's happening in the in the Pentagon thanks to Telegram. People yeah. on on the internet in Russia letting this stuff out. And we are the same way. And you know, by the way, the fact that we have so much information about the Russian military tells me the Russians are also lacked any sort of discipline. I mean, we shouldn't be under, we shouldn't know in depth their planning and targeting like this so easily. It used to be in the Cold War that they could keep this stuff secret. Um, no longer. So this is where we are. And this is the time we live in. And this is unfortunate. Um, if what you say is true, and I have no reason to doubt it, um, that somebody perhaps a youngish person is on a gaming app and does this, this just seems to reflect absolutely no interest in my, from my perspective, no interest in upholding, I think the oath that this person would have had to have taken to get access to this kind of information. Is that right? Well, it's more than an oath. It's a felony. I mean, there's still laws on the book. You cannot expose intercepts it goes back to pearl harbor 
Um, you know, it, it's look. Intercepts are what American intelligence depend on. It's almost impossible to collect information in Donetsk and Luhansk and Moscow from human sources. So we depend on these. Um, do you want to turn that fan off? Can you hear it? Hang on one second. Can you hear the fan? No, my fan. Can you hear it? No. Okay. All right. Good. Um, it just went on automatically. So, I mean, we depend on this stuff. We, we don't have human sources in Moscow. It's impossible to recruit Russians. So if we're intercepting Russian communications and it comes out and the Russians are allowed to change this, we are not going to have a heads up on the next time Putin decides to invade another country. If he goes into Lithuania and we've lost our intercepts, we're going to have no heads up. If he decides to attack Poland or a NATO, another NATO country, we're going to have no heads up. It's going to get people killed leaking stuff like this. And the people who did it are, are they're either disloyal or they're idiots. There's there's no in between. And this this Bob seems to me to be the absolute key point here when we talk about the um, damage to U.S. national security is losing that ability that you just talked about. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, it's like, there's a long history. I mean, I, I spent 21 years in the CIA. And frankly, I know what I know during those years, thanks to Intercepts, the National Security Agency. The same kind of intelligence this administration depends on vis-a-vis -vis Russia or China. And once you lose this stuff, it's gone. And it's going to get people killed. I can't, I can't emphasize that enough. We knew about Pearl Harbor from intercepts. We translated them too late, but we could have saved thousands of lives had we acted fast enough. And it's going to be the same way if there's a confrontation with China or a direct confrontation with Russia. It's going to depend on our intercepts. So whoever leaked this stuff should be arrested and go to jail for life. Um, fixing this problem. Um, how do you do that? The, the, uh, you know, all those documents. I don't. I don't know about the forensics, but you can. They're 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 coded, color coded, and you can. You know, reality winner was caught because the documents that she handed over to the Intercept were sent to the National Security Agency. It took the FBI, you know, ten minutes to figure out where that stuff had come from and found reality winner. Um, so this, it, it, there are forensics, you can trace this back, um, and you go through the lists of who had access to what opportunity, uh, you know, you can even see the temperature of the room that the photographs were taken in and the humidity with, with, with criminal forensics. So I would imagine and it's still early, they're going to find that whoever was responsible for this, I would imagine. So then what do you do to prevent this from happening again? I hear that there are hundreds, maybe even thousands of people that had access to some of this stuff. Well, you've got a, you've got so many political appointees who have political access to grind, and they all, once they get into the Pentagon, State Department, 
and even the CIA demand access to all this stuff. It goes with the job. And if you tell somebody they can't see it, um, you know, it's it's really sort of a status in Washington, what you read when you get to read it. And it's it's organically, it just expands. Uh, you, you know, they've got to cut it down. You can go back to reading rooms. And we used to be this way with a thing called the Red Book. All right, you had the Red Book in a room. You could come in and read it. Obviously, you'd remember what was in it, but you didn't have access to the documents. When I was in CIA offices abroad, we had these reading rooms. They said, all right, go read the Red Book if you want. And then the, then the people in charge of it watched. You, you couldn't take it out. Or there was a time when the CIA had what they called blue stripers, when they'd actually go to the White House, the information was so sensitive, show it to the president, and the debriefer would stand there and then take the book back. We may have to go back to a system like that. I mean, I don't think it's feasible, but that would be one solution. Do you think limiting the number of people who have access to these documents is, is something that should be considered? Oh, I think absolutely. You can take a lot of this intelligence and you could be summarized for, for general use. We used to call that a tear line. So it just generally talks about what's happening in, in Ukraine or, or problems with South Korean artillery shells. South Korea is reluctant. We know this in the news. It's reluctant. We have confirmed this. Uh, the South Koreans are, are worried vis-a-vis -vis Russia. And you just put in a general summary, which ultimately tells you nothing. You understand the issues intimately, but you don't have the original documents. Um, the National Security Agency knows how to deal with this, but it's under so much political pressure to widely distribute intelligence like this. It has no, it, it, it has to follow, follow up and do it. Former CIA case officer Robert Bayer. That's it for this episode of Target USA. Coming up in our next episode. We've heard this a few times, but here it is again. Was it a mistake for the U.S. to allow a Chinese spy balloon to traverse from Pacific to Atlantic coast? I think if they had known prior to, if they had known that there were going to be high-resolution photos or collection against corporate communications, those types of things, yeah, they might have been inclined to take it down earlier before it even got to the U.S. Nicholas Eftimiadis, former U.S. senior intelligence officer, explains, and he tells us what China likely got. That's coming up on the next episode of Target USA. In the meantime, if you have any questions or comments about the program, send me an email. You can reach me at jgreen at wtop.com. The letter J, the color green, one word, at Whiskey Tango Oscar Papa, jgreen at wtop.com. Also, please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Twitter. We're at TUSA Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. And if you want more national security news, you can sign up for my newsletter. It's called Inside the Skiff, and you can sign up at WTOP.com slash email. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast.